Hi, my name's Nick Smith, founder and creator of Part-Time Pilot. Now, after three years, five flight instructors, and over $22,000 out of my bank account, I was finally able to achieve my dream and become a private pilot. Now, I have a bachelor's and master's in aerospace engineering and over 10 years experience as a flight test engineer. So if it was that difficult for someone like me, no wonder eight out of 10 student pilots never end up becoming a pilot. So this is why I created Part-Time Pilot, and this is why I'm creating this podcast. This podcast will be your audio ground school and just another way Part-Time Pilot is making flight training easier and more consumable for you. So with over 300 students and counting that have used our content to pass the FAA private pilot exams, I hope that you can use this podcast to become the next student to do so. So thank you and I hope you enjoy listening to the Part-Time Pilot Audio Ground School Podcast. Hey, what's up, pilots? This is Nick. I wanted to take a second and talk about the Ultimate Private Pilot Test Prep book. Now, we don't have a ton of reviews yet on Amazon, but a lot of people have gotten it, and we have a lot of good feedback from it. And the reason why is because it blows out all those other test prep books out of the water, right? If you've gotten a test prep book before, it's got a bunch of FA written test questions. It's good for that. It's good for that rote memorization, practicing those test problems and stuff. But if you want to learn beyond that, it might have some bullet point summaries of some of the subjects. It might tell you some tips on multiple choice test strategies, but that's about it, right? So what if you want to learn this stuff at a fundamental level? What if you want to go deeper on any of these topics because you're just not getting these topics? And the reason I made this is because we don't have anything physical. And I myself am someone who really likes to study with something physical in my hands. I like to take it with me to the beach, to the park, when I'm traveling, whatever. So I wanted to make a book unlike any of the other books. So that's what I did with the Ultimate Private Pilot Test Prep. So how is it different? Well, it's got all those test questions just like the other books. It covers every single subject just like the other books, but it breaks things down and explains all the concepts in simple English. And then you add in diagrams and visual aids that those books do not have. And then you also add in QR codes. You know, those little QR codes that you scan to bring up a menu that came around during COVID. So yeah, you can do that with your mobile device your iPad, whatever, and it'll bring up a video lesson on what you're watching. We also have a bunch of QR codes in there for free downloads, as well as free practice tests that come with the book. So it's on Amazon. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's only $37 and it's got literally everything, you guys. That's why it's the ultimate test prep book. It's the best bet you can get for one single book when you're studying for your private pilot test. So check it out. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Audio Ground School Podcast. My name is Nick Smith. I'm your host, founder and creator of Part-Time Pilot. And we are going to continue on with weight and balance examples today. We're going to go through a couple examples. And again, this might be good for you to have a visual. So I highly recommend getting in the online ground school. If not, we will provide you a video in the show notes that can help you out with that. So last episode, last week, I started a thing where I read off some reviews. Now, I learned a little bit something about podcast reviews. Now, we're on like every single podcast app you can think of on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, iHeartRadio, Boomcast, like all these I had never even heard of as well. Now, I don't know for all these. I I usually just pay attention to mostly the big name ones. 
I know that on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a star rating and then you can leave a review. So I know that for sure. I guess on Spotify, you can only leave a star rating, can't leave a review. Let me know if I'm wrong about that or if there's a way to leave a review. You can email us at team at parttimepilot.com and let me know. And then I'm not sure about Google or Amazon. I haven't looked into those as well, but whether you can leave a rating or leave a review, it really, really helps us out, get seen by the searches. We're now over 120,000 downloads, which is super duper crazy. But what I'm gonna do is I know on Apple Podcasts for sure that you can leave a review and a star rating. So I'm going to read off some of those reviews. So if you wanna leave a review on there, you might just get read off on one of the episodes. So today I'm going to read off, we have jkoy 66 They say a five-star review that says, so helpful, this podcast and his study guide. We're talking about our free study guide, which by the way, if you go to parttimepilot.com, you can click on free study guide. We should still be giving it out by the time this episode drops. If not, there will be some sort of free content that we're giving out. We don't always give that out, but it's really helpful. Anyways, Jay Coy says, this podcast and his free study guide got me a 95% on my written exam. This has been the best supplement to my study since I can listen while driving and running. Plus, I love the simple explanations he has and just another way of hearing something explained is so helpful when learning so much new stuff. Thanks, Nick. Well, thank you, jkoy66. That is a awesome review and pretty cool that just using the free study guide and this podcast, he was able to get a 95 on the written exam. That is super duper awesome. So I'm sure it sounds like he also had maybe another ground school or something like that. And he supplemented that with this, which is a great idea for everyone out there. If you don't get our online ground school, at least take advantage of our free content and supplement that. Because when you hear things from a few different sources, that's sometimes when it starts to click in. And that's also why we do video, audio, and written lessons. All right. The next person is, let's see here. Connor Batty wrote best online ground school out there. Five-star review. This podcast is amazing to listen to while looking at the lesson in the online ground school. Nick works very, very hard to make sure his online ground school is the best. He puts in a lot of time to make sure everyone understands the information and he doesn't charge you for unnecessary things like I've heard other ground schools doing. If you want a career in flying or just want to fly for fun, this ground school is a way to go couldn't have asked for a better testimonial of the ground school and I do work hard so I appreciate Connor writing that and and seeing that in the work that I put in so I really really appreciate that I'm so glad to have helped you out and again thank you so all right without further ado enough of that let's get into the lesson so we are again if you're following along in the ground school as Connor mentioned he highly recommends that you do Go to your course, step one, online ground school, private pilot lessons. Go to section 11 on weight and balance and go to lesson three on weight and balance examples. We're gonna go through some examples, a few ways to do it, you know, using kind of the graphical method, using the tabular method. We'll talk about those and we'll even talk about another chart that you might see on the FA written exam. So we'll talk about that as well. Let's get into it. For this example, we are going to use the weight and balance worksheet from the aircraft I generally fly with, a Cherokee Warrior. We did this in the last episode, but we're going to do another example because examples are how I learn best. So that's why I love putting a ton of examples and real life, real world examples that you'll see not only on the FA written exam, but on your check ride, something that you would be tested with in a real life situation. So that's why I love examples. And that's why we're going to do some more examples. And we have a lesson completely dedicated to just examples. All right. So the first thing we need to do is find the empty weight and arm of the aircraft as empty. These can be found 
Elsewhere in the POH AFM for this aircraft, a note under the weight and mounts worksheet tells us that the basic empty weight CG is noted on the weight and mounts data form in figure 6.5. So again, I've highlighted this in the that weight and mounts bold that I have for the Piper Aircraft Corporation PA28161 Warrior 2 weight and balance sheet. So you can see where it says that note. So we don't show figure 6.5 of the AFM, but it tells us that the basic empty weight is 1,500 pounds and that its arm is 85.9 inches. Again, I have a note in here to make sure you're using the most up-to-date empty weight for your aircraft. Check with the owner and maintainer, check the maintenance logs, or make sure you're using the information from form in the AFM POH that stays with the aircraft since it is legally supposed to be the current values. Again, I told a story about how a student failed their check ride because they didn't have the most up-to-date empty weight. It can change as you add in and install new equipment. Okay, so let's enter the empty weight and arm into our worksheet. So in that basic empty weight row, we enter 1500 in the weight and we enter 85.9 into the arm column. Next, we're gonna fill in the total weights of the pilot and front passenger, the passengers or gear in the rear seats. So anything that's put in the rear seats, anything that's put in the front seats, the fuel, again, we're using six pounds per gallon to convert from gallons to pounds, and baggage in the baggage compartment. Note that the worksheet for the Cherokee mentions the maximum fuel and baggage allowed in the aircraft. It also mentions the maximum ramp weight and total loaded or gross takeoff weight in both the normal and utility configurations. For this example, we will assume we are taking the maximum fuel allowed for the aircraft, which is 48 gallons, that's usable fuel allowed. There are two gallons of unusable fuel allowed for this aircraft, so that would make a total of 50 gallons. But again, the empty weight includes the two unusable gallons, so that's already included in the empty weight, so we don't gotta worry about the unusable fuel, just the usable fuel. So that would be a total of 48 gallons, which corresponds to 48 times six or 288 pounds of fuel. So for this example, we're using 350 pounds for the pilot and front passenger. We're using zero pounds for the passenger or the rear seats. We're using 288 pounds for the fuel, as I mentioned, 48 gallons. And then we're adding 20 pounds of baggage into the baggage compartment. All right, so we filled that in, we filled those weights in into our sheet in the weight column for each row of the station that they correspond to. The next thing we need to sum up is all the weights we have recorded so far. So we just entered all those weights and now we're gonna sum them up. And that includes the basic empty weight, the pilot and front passenger, the rear seats, the fuel and the baggage. So that's 1500 plus 350 plus zero plus 288 plus 20 equals 2,158 pounds. Make sure that this value is below the maximum ramp weight for your aircraft. In this example, the maximum ramp weight in the normal configuration is 2,447 pounds, which we are well below at 2,158 pounds. Record this weight in your worksheet for the ramp weight. So now what we have in the row for ramp weight, we have 2,158 pounds, which is below the maximum ramp weight value. And again, on the last episode, we did an example where we we didn't check that maximum weight right away. And we got to the point where we did all our calculations and then found out that our weight was over the maximum. And so we sort of lost time and did some things unnecessarily. If we would have just known ahead of time that our weight was too much, we could have saved ourselves some time and not had to recalculate with different weight and less fuel to be under our weight. So it's good to check the maximum weights right at the beginning when you add up your weights before you start calculating moments and stuff like that. The next step is to calculate the moments for each of the weights we just entered into the worksheet. To do this, 
we use the equation moment equals weight times arm. So we have our weight column filled out, and then we have an arm column filled out for most of them other than the, the ramp weight. And then so now we can do weight times arm equals moment and fill out our moment column. So again, the equation is moment equals weight times arm. So basic empty moment is going to be our basic empty weight of 1500 times our basic empty arm of 85.9 inches. So 1500 times 85.9 equals 128,850 inch pounds or pounds inch, whatever you want to say. For pilot and front passenger, we do 350 times the arm of 80.5. And again, these arm values, as I mentioned in the last episode, these will be given to you in this table for your aircraft or somewhere in the POH AFM for your aircraft. These values will be given to you. They're not something that you calculate. So that's why we already have these in here in this table if you're following along in the lesson. So 350 times 80.5 for the pilot and front passenger, that gives us 28,175 for our moment. For the passenger rear seat, we have zero pounds in there. So that gives us a moment of zero. For the fuel moment, so we have 288 pounds times the arm for the fuel of 95 inches. That gives us 27,360 for the moment. And then baggage, we got 20 pounds in there. Our arm is 142.8 inches. So 20 times 142.8 gives us 2,856 for our moment. So we're gonna enter these values into our little table here. And now we have filled out the weight, arm, and moment for those three columns for, you know, our first five rows, all our stations, basic empty weight, pilot and front passenger, passengers, rear seats, fuel, and baggage. We now have all the information we need to calculate the CG arm location of the ramp weight and total loaded or gross takeoff weight. So if we rearrange the equation moment equals weight times arm to solve for the arm, we get arm equals moment divided by weight. We just divide weight to both sides and we get arm equals moment divided by weight. We have the ramp weight, but we need the ramp moment. To get the ramp moment, we sum up or add up all the moments we just calculated on the entire worksheet. So let's do that. So we add up the moment we just calculated for basic empty weight. We add that to the pilot and front passenger moment. We add that to the passenger rear seat moment, we add that to the fuel moment, and we add that to the baggage moment. So if you add all that up, that's going to be 128,850 plus 28,175 plus zero plus 27,360 plus 2,856 equals 187,241 pound inches for our total ramp weight moment. So we enter that value into our worksheet and now we have the weight and the moment for our ramp weight now we have that new version of our moment equation where we solve for arm aka cg equals moment divided by weight so we take the ramp moment divided by the ramp weight so we do 187,241 divided by 2158 which is our weight equals 86.8 inches and now we can enter 86.8 inches as the cg of our aircraft when we're on the ramp we are now down to the last couple steps the difference between the ramp weight and the total loaded airplane weight is the weight of the fuel burned off during engine start taxi and run up and therefore equals the maximum takeoff weight for the aircraft so we just calculated what our weight and moment and cg would be when we're on the ramp before we've even started the engine before we've even taxied done our run up our checklist all that stuff but we want to know our takeoff we want to know these values for takeoff that's what's most important once we get in airborne into flight because that's what this weight and balance stability and control is all about so we want to make sure for that we are in the bounds so 
we're going to lose a little bit of fuel, which means we lose a little bit of weight by the time we go from the ramp to takeoff when we do, you know, engine start, taxi, and run up. So in this table for the Cherokee Warrior, they give those values to us. They say we're going to lose seven pounds of fuel, which is equivalent to about 665 pound inches of moment. So what we do is we take our ramp weight total of 2,158, subtract seven pounds from that to get 2,151 pounds. And we write that as our total loaded airplane for takeoff at the very bottom row of our table in the weight column. Then we're going to do something similar to the moment. We take the total ramp moment of 187,241 and we subtract the 665 that our POH gave us for what we'll lose in moment during engine start, taxi, and run up to get 186,576. And we enter that into our total loaded airplane moment for takeoff. So now we have the total loaded airplane weight and moment for takeoff. And now again, we can do the same thing where we had our moment equation rearranged for arm, aka CG, as CG equals moment divided by weight. And we take the moment of 186,576, divide it by our weight of 2,151 to get our final total loaded airplane for takeoff CG of 86.7 inches. And that's inches aft of the datum or reference point. And so we can add that into our worksheet. And now we have that complete table worksheet filled out for every station, our ramp weight and our total loaded takeoff weight, which is really what we want. We want that takeoff weight and that takeoff CG. Note, I have a note in here. Your POH AFM may also provide a moment versus weight graph that you can use to determine weight or moment. For example, if you know the weight of your passenger or rear seats, is going to be 75 pounds, you can determine the moment without even knowing the arm and just using the chart instead. Just find where the aft passenger's line meets 75 pounds on the vertical axis for weight, then follow that point straight down to read off the horizontal axis for moment. In this example, the moment for 75 pound passenger in the aft passenger seat would be about 9,000 inch pounds. Obviously the calculation method is more precise, and would have given us a value of 8,850 inch pounds in this scenario, but you might not have the arm available to you, that arm value available to you. You should, but you may not. And you might find this question on the FA written exam. You might see a chart like this where they have the moment on the x-axis and then the weight on the y-axis. And then they have these linear lines and each line represents a station. Okay, so you have pilot and front passenger line, you have a fuel line, you have an aft passenger line, you have a baggage line. Now, anywhere along that line, there's going to be a value for weight and a corresponding value for moment. So what you do is you have a weight. So let's say you have a weight and you have a station. So let's say 250 pounds on the pilot and front passenger station. So you find where 250 pounds on the y-axis intersects the line for pilot and front passenger, and then you find what value that relates to on the x-axis for moment. And that's how you find the moment. So it's the same way. It's just a graphical representation of the moment equals weight times arm equation. And some aircraft, POHs or AFM, will show you the data in this graphical format. And so the FAA written might test you on this. You'll see a figure in the FAA written that's like this. So I wanted to explain how to use that. Okay, so after that note, we aren't finished yet. You know, remember we found our total weight and our total CG. We now need to determine if that total CG at takeoff of 
seven inches and our weight of 2,151 pounds is within the bounds of the CG envelope determined by the manufacturer for safe flight. To do this, we need to use the weight versus CG envelope chart, or if you're using Depending on your aircraft, and we'll get to this in another example, it might have a graphical format where it's got, again, like this weird pentagon trapezoid type shape, and you got to be within those boundaries of that shape. Or it might give you a tabular format like on the FA written exam, which we'll get to an example here in a sec. On the chart, what we want to do, so we're using the graphical chart that a Cherokee Warrior uses for this example. We find the CG of 86.7 inches on the bottom axis and draw a line all the way to the top of the envelope that is parallel to the closest grid line for the chart. So again, we have grid lines that kind of go, they don't exactly go vertical on this chart, but there's a grid line for each inch of the CG. So we wanna you know, be parallel to that when we don't have a full inch. When we don't have 86 or 87, we have 86.7 inches. So we wanna go just to the left on a parallel line to the 87 grid line where about 86.7 would be. Then what we want to do is we want to find the weight of 2,151 pounds on the right side vertical axis and draw a horizontal line to the far left of the envelope. And again, I'm showing this in an example, in an image. I have this envelope chart and I have lines and I have them labeled. So step A, step B, and step C. So we're on step B where we draw this horizontal line where 2,151 would be on those grid lines that are determined by the vertical axis. Where the two lines intersect will tell us whether or not we are safe to fly. If the two lines intersect within the envelope boundaries, then we are safe to fly. And if they do not intersect within the boundaries, then our CG is out of bounds and the aircraft is unsafe to fly as currently loaded. And this is step C where those two lines intersect. Now you can see if we plot the intersection for our aircraft in our example, we can see that we are well within the bounds of the envelope and would be safe to fly in this configuration. We are towards the forward limit, but we are well within that limit, so we are safe to fly in this example. Now, I have here in the lesson, I have a video example of how to calculate the weight and balance using this chart. So I'll put that in the show notes for you guys that are not in the online ground school. You can take a look at that video as well. The next thing I want to talk about is what if our CG is not within the boundaries? Let's consider the example of the same exact aircraft that has now been modified and these modifications have been approved by the FAA to become part of the baseline configuration of this aircraft. Now, the reason why I want to do this example is because this might be a real life scenario or a cross country scenario that you might get, you know, when you're planning for your solo cross-country flights or even your dual cross-country flights or the cross-country scenario that your examiner might get, especially if you get a weight and balance question wrong in the FAA written exam. Remember, your examiner on your check right is going to quiz you hard on anything you missed on the written exam. So you can pretty much guarantee if you miss a weight and balance question that they're going to have you do some tricky things with weight and balance on your cross-country scenario that you have to plan for your check ride. So they might have you start out where your CG, you calculate CG and it's not within the boundaries. And then you have to basically change what you're putting in the aircraft to get it within boundaries. So this is an example that covers that scenario. So in other words, these new modifications that we've made will contribute to the basic empty weight of the aircraft. Let's assume the modifications added 200 pounds to the empty weight such that the empty weight is now 1700 pounds. This new empty weight will require a new calculation of the empty moment, the ramp weight, the ramp moment, ramp CG, total loaded weight, and total loaded moment and CG. So we show here, we've redone our basic empty weight to make it 1,700 pounds. 
that changes the basic empty weight moment. Okay, now since one weight changed and one moment changed, that changes our total ramp weight and our total ramp moment, which changes the ramp CG. And then that also changes the total loaded weight at takeoff, total loaded CG at takeoff. So we redo that. We show here clearly what we've redone in our little table with, you know, highlighted in red. So you get a good visual example of what we're talking about there. So now after these changes, after this heavier empty weight, our total loaded airplane weight is a lot closer to the maximum of 2,440 pounds. It's now at 2,351 pounds, and our total loaded takeoff moment is 203,756, which if we divide the moment by the weight, we get 86.7 for our CG, 86.7 inches for our CG. So if you're wondering, well, that didn't change the CG, that's true. It changed the CG a little bit, but we rounded up to 86.7 in both cases, it rounded up to 86.7. So it very little changed the CG because the empty weight moment, we just assumed that the arm of the empty weight did not change, only the weight changed. So that it didn't really change our CG all that much. But now we have a new combination. So just because it didn't change the CG, we have new combination of weight and CG. And that's what it's all about for determining stability and whether we're in the bounds of our envelope. So our total loaded airplane weight, again, is a lot closer to 2,440 pounds. So we gotta see, we gotta go back to the envelope, the weight versus CG envelope, and see where our new weight and CG arm puts us on the CG envelope. So what we do is we find 86.7, again, we draw that line all the way up, and then we find where that intersects our new weight of 2,351. Now this intersection is going to fall outside of the bounds of our weight versus CG envelope. So if you're looking at this on the top left, that boundary that drops off when your CG starts to get more and more forward. We talked about this in the last episode. As our CG gets to get more and more forward below 88 inches, as it gets closer to that reference point than 88 inches, you can't have as much weight in your aircraft. So the weight that you are allowed to have goes down. And that again is because that natural forward moment, the pitch down moment that we have on our aircraft, we can't have too much of that or else it'll become very hard to control in slow flight and pull back on the yoke if we have too much of that forward moment. So if we're too far forward with too much weight, it becomes an unsafe condition and it makes the aircraft hard to fly, puts a lot of stress on the controls and the control surfaces. So here is exactly what we have in this situation. At 86.7, we can only have a maximum weight of about 2,200 and I would say 90, 80 or 90 pounds, according to the CG envelope graph. And we are above that at 2,351. So we lie well outside the boundaries in this example. So with 200 pounds added to the empty weight, we are now outside our CG envelope, and this aircraft is unsafe to fly as currently loaded. Does this mean we can't fly? Is there something we can do to change the CG of the aircraft? The answer to both of those questions is yes. If you look at the CG envelope above, you will notice that in order to get the intersection point inside the envelope, you would need to move that intersection point down, which it would mean less weight, or to the right, which means a CG further aft. So if we think about it like that, just graphically, that's kind of like why I like these graphs, our intersection point is too far up and to the left. So if we move that more down and to the right, there's two ways we can do that. Moving it down means less weight. Moving it to the right means moving the CG more aft. So 
We know that arm equals moment divided by weight. Therefore, as the value of weight gets smaller in the denominator of that equation, moment over weight, the arm value will get larger as long as the moment stays constant, the same. For example, if we have 20 divided by five equals four, so 20 is our moment, five is our weight, and 20 divided by five equals four, that would be our arm. But if we keep 20 constant and decrease the five, then the four will become a larger number. Say we change the five down to a two, we now have 20 divided by two equals 10. So we talk about how we wanted to either decrease the weight or move the CG further aft, which means make the CG bigger. So that's why I'm kind of giving that example because if we can decrease the weight, it's also going to increase the arm. So it kind of does a little bit of both if that moment stays the same. Obviously the moment won't exactly stay the same, but we want to have Basically what we wanna do, and what I'm trying to say here, is we want to decrease the weight with as little effect on the moment as possible. If we go back to the graph where we had the linear lines for moment and weight, this can also help tell us which locations have the least amount. So remember I told you about if they don't give you the arm, your aircraft or the FA ridden might give you this graph where it's, it's weight on the y-axis and moment on the x-axis, and then you have these linear lines and each line is a station on the aircraft. Well, so if we go back to that, that can kind of tell us which locations have the least amount of effect on the moment. The line with the largest slope, the pilot and front passenger, will have a moment that changes the least with weight. This is also the most forward position, which makes sense because it has the smallest arm and therefore the least effect on the moment. So basically we want something with the smallest arm. We wanna decrease the weight there because that'll have the smallest effect on the moment. So that's the most forward moment. Since we likely won't be getting rid of any of our passengers, the next, or ourselves, the next best place to manipulate the CG would be the fuel. Since it is the second most forward load location or the second smallest arm. So what if we take out in this example, 10 gallons or 60 pounds of fuel? We would now be carrying a total of 228 pounds of fuel and would need to update the calculations of the fuel weight and moment, the ramp weight, the moment and arm, and the total loaded airplane weight, moment and arm. So again, we have a picture here in red of what we changed. We changed the fuel weight and therefore the fuel moment in that row. That has an effect, you know, where it's going to change our total ramp weight, our total ramp moment, and then therefore our total loaded airplane at takeoff, moment and weight. Now we get a new total loaded airplane weight at takeoff of 2,291, a moment at takeoff of 198,056, and then that gives us a CG of 86.4. So now we go back to our CG envelope versus weight chart, and we then graph our new weight and CG, so our new weight of 2,291, and 86.4 CG when we took out 60 pounds of fuel, and see where that intersection lies us. And it puts us almost, you can see that it has now moved down into the right and it lies just outside the boundary, like just barely outside the boundaries. So we are still not within the CG envelope, but we are very, very close. So what else can we do to move the CG further aft or reduce weight on the aircraft? One thing that we can do is add weight to the back of the aircraft or the baggage area. Since the back of the aircraft has the highest moment arm, it will have the greatest effect on increasing the total arm CG of the aircraft and moving it further aft. 
So this is kind of a counterintuitive, but the reason I, I'm doing it this way is to show you how different things can affect the overall CG and the stability of the aircraft. So what if we added three one-gallon jugs of water, where a gallon of water weighs a little bit more than fuel, it weighs about eight pounds per gallon. So that would be about 24 pounds to the baggage area. We would need to add 24 pounds to the already 20 pounds of baggage we already have and update the calculations accordingly. So again, we have a new table here. We've added 24 pounds to the baggage to make it a total of 44 pounds now. That changes the moment for our baggage. And then those two values change the, the ramp weight, the ramp moment, total loaded weight, and the total loaded moment. And then that changes our total loaded CG. So now we have a final weight of 2,315 and a CG of 87. So now we go back to the CG envelope. Once again, we find 87 on the bottom axis. We follow that up. Then we find 2,315 on the vertical axis. We draw a horizontal line and we see where those intersect. And now it has just moved it a little bit further down and to the right, where again, or sorry, it actually moved it because we added weight. It didn't move us down. It just moved it to the right because we added weight, we didn't take out weight, we added weight. And so that shifted the CG further aft from 86.4 to 87 inches after the datum. And then that now puts us just within the boundaries. So yes, the addition of 24 pounds to the baggage area puts us just within the boundaries of the CG envelope makes this aircraft load safe to fly. So we took out some of the fuel, that didn't quite do it, but it got us close. And then we added some extra weight to the back of the baggage. Now, will you ever do this? Will you ever add, add weight? Probably not. You'd probably would just take out a couple more gallons of fuel and that would probably do the trick. But the reason I wanted to do the example this way is it's a little counterintuitive, but it shows you how different things can affect the CG and the stability of the aircraft. So hopefully that helped you guys with your understanding of weight and balance and tied it into the theory a little bit better. Again, we have a video of this actually, of what to do if the weight and balance is out of limits, which I'll also put into the show notes. I wanna do one more example on weight and moment data found in the form of tables like you might find on the FAA written exam or depending on your aircraft, I think Cessna aircraft do it like this. I usually fight cherry quarry, but I'm pretty sure Cessna does it like this where they have the values in tables. So you, you'll see them, uh, the moments already calculated for you and listed in tables alongside their weights. Again, like you might see on the FAA written exam. All you have to do is find the weight at the specific location, you know, the front seat, rear seat, baggage, fuel, etc., and write down the moment listed next to it. Let's see an example. Let's go over an example, which we'll use figures 32 and 33 from the FAA Airman Testing Supplement for Private Pilot. So this is the exact testing supplement that you'll use on the written exam. So let's assume also that the aircraft is loaded as follows. Pilot and front passenger weight is 180 pounds. Passenger rear seat weight is 120 pounds. The fuel in the wing tanks are 40 gallons. The fuel in the auxiliary tanks is 10 gallons. So we have extra tanks on this aircraft. And the baggage weight is 55 pounds. Now, if we look at figure 32, we can find the empty weight as well which the empty weight is listed on figure 32 as 2,015 pounds. And so the first thing we need to do is add up all the weights to find the total loaded aircraft weight. But in order to do this, we need to convert our fuel values into pounds instead of gallons. Remember, apples to apples. We can't add gallons to pounds. We have to have all pounds. Since we know that aviation fuel is six pounds per gallon, we can make the following calculations. We take our 40 gallons in the wing tanks, multiply that by six to get 240 pounds. We take our 10 gallons in the auxiliary tanks, Multiply that by six to get 60 pounds. 
Now we can add up all the weights to get the total loaded aircraft weight. So we do the empty weight plus the pilot and front passenger weight plus the passenger the rear passenger weight plus the fuel in the wing tanks weight plus the fuel in the auxiliary tanks weight plus the baggage weight. That is 2015 plus 180 plus 120 plus 240 plus 60 plus 55 equals 2,670 pounds. Now that we have the total loaded weight, all we need to do now is to find the total loaded moment. We can find the moment associated with each weight by using the tables in figure 32. So the pilot and front passenger moment is going to be 15,300 pound inch. Now, in the occupants table under the second column under the front seats, we can read off the moment over 100 of 153 next to 180 pounds. So we just look for the weight of our weight of 180 pounds and then next to it, the moment over 100 is listed as 153. Now I wrote it down, not in terms of moment over 100 this time, but in terms of moment. You can choose whatever you want to do. This table, the FA figure, gives it to you in moment over 100, but just remember to keep it the same all the time. Again, apples to apples. You can't have some as regular moments and some as moment over 100 because then when you go to add them, you can't add apples and oranges. You have to add apples to apples, okay? So I'm writing them down all as regular moments. So I'm taking what it says in the table and adding two zeros to it. That's the same thing as multiplying by 100 to get it back to the regular moment. For the passenger rear seat moment, we look in that table for next to 120 pounds because that's our weight for the, the rear seats. And we find a moment over 100 of 145. So that equals a moment of 14,500. Then we do the same for the wing tanks. We look for 240 pounds or 40 gallons. And that gives us a moment over 100 of 180, which is a moment of 18,000. Again, adding two zeros. For our auxiliary tanks, again, we look for... 10 gallons are 60 pounds. And then in that row, our moment over 100 is 56, AKA a regular moment of 5,600. Then we go to the baggage. We find that we don't have, our weight is 55 pounds. We don't have exactly that in the table. We have, because it goes by every 10 pounds. So we have 50 pounds and we have 60 pounds. So we can either interpolate or we can just calculate the moment using the moment equation and the arm value. The arm value is listed above the baggage table as 140 inches. So if we use moment equals weight times arm, we get moment equals 55 pounds times 140 inches equals 7,700 pounds inches. If we wanted to interpolate, we could do that as well. But remember the FAA written is steering away from questions involving interpolation. So don't get too caught up on this if it doesn't make sense. To interpolate, we use I'm just gonna go through the interpolation if we want to. We can just use a simple interpolation formula that says y equals y1 plus, and then you have a big fraction where on the top it's y2 minus y1, on the bottom it's x2 minus x1, and then you times all that by x minus x1. So here the y's are the moments and the x's are the weights. y1 is the lowest moment, y2 is the highest moment, y is the final moment we want to find, x1 is the lowest weight, x2 is the highest weight, and x is the actual weight we are using. So if we put that in here, we have y is what we want, y1 would be a value of 70 moment over 100, y2 would be 84 moment over 100, the moment over 100 is corresponding to a weight of 50 and weight of 60. So X1 would be our weight of 50 and X2 would be a weight of 60. And we fill that in, we do the math, we end up getting a moment over 100 of 77, which converts to a moment of 7,700. Again, if this equation confuses you, don't get too caught up in it because again, the FA written is steering away from interpolation. And on your check right or something like that, you'll be able to 
to have a calculator or have somewhere in your notes the interpolation formula so you won't have to memorize it. So don't worry too much. I would just use the arm value in the table of 140 and do moment times arm like we did the first way. Another way you could do it is you can think of it logically and because 55 is directly in the middle of 50 and 60, then we want the moment that's directly in the middle of the moment values of 70 and 84, which would be 77. So that's just a quick way of doing it. That only works when it's right in the middle of it. I mean, it could work if it was like two thirds or one third and you did the math. That's You're essentially just doing the linear interpolation equation, skipping a step or two. All right, so let's stop talking about interpolation because again, the FA written is kind of going away from it. So finally, we have the empty moment of, which we find on figure 32. So that's the last moment we need was just the empty moment. On figure 32, it tells us the empty weight and the empty moment. So the empty moment is 155,400 pound inches. Now we can add up all moments to get the total loaded aircraft moment. So we add up the empty moment plus the pilot and front passenger moment plus the rear passenger moment, the fuel wing tanks moment, the fuel auxiliary tank moment, and the baggage moment. So that would be 155,400 plus 15,300 plus 14,500 plus 18,000 plus 5,000. 1,600 plus 7,700 equals 216,500 pound inches for our total moment. So our total loaded weights and moments are 2,670 pounds and 216,500 pound inches. The last thing we need to do is determine if this is within the acceptable values for our aircraft. To do this, we look at figure 33, which is our CG envelope in tabular format. And we find 2,670 pounds halfway down the fourth column, which is the second weight column in yellow, and see that our moment needs to lie between 211,200 and 227,900, which our moment of 216,500, it's direct, it's very much in the middle of those two numbers. Therefore, we have determined we are safe to fly and our CG lies within the acceptable limits. All right, everybody, thank you so much for hanging on during this pretty long episode. Even with the last episode, these weight and balance examples, they're tedious. The last thing I just want to mention is if you are real struggling with the weight and balance, go ahead and check out the electronic E6Bs because one thing that they can do that the paper spin wheel E6Bs cannot do is that they can do weight and balance. So, and these are allowed on your FA written exam, as long as you have an approved brand, which the ASA CX-3 and the Sporties brands are, I know for sure, allowed on the FA written exam. And we have a tutorial of all these examples, everything you need to, you can possibly calculate on the written exam. We have a tutorial of the Sporties E6B. So I will also put that in the show notes, a link to that Sporties E6B on Amazon, the one we use in all, all our tutorials. So if weight and balance, you know, it takes some practice and I recommend doing it by hand because it really gets you to understand and learn it. But almost always, because there's so many steps, there's a lot of steps where you can make a stupid mistake. And that's usually what I see happening to students. So it does just take some practice, but if you've been practicing for a really long time, you just can't get it, give Electronic E6B a try. Again, in the ground school, we have video tutorials of how to use that to do all the calculations that it can do. So we got you covered on those. They also come with a little handy sheet that tells you how to do it as well. So give that a try because those are allowed on the FA written exam and they can be handy tools. Okay. So that's it for this episode. Thank you guys again. Remember to subscribe 
and give us a review. And next episode, hopefully there's some more reviews and we can read those off to everybody and maybe we'll read off yours. So again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you guys next week. Hey guys, it's Nick. I want to take a second to speak directly to the student pilots out there. You might be a student pilot that is you know, wondering what to do next, how to get started, or maybe you're looking for the right ground training or flight training, or maybe you've already started ground training or flight training and you're stuck, you're in a rut, and you're looking for a change, something to help get you out of that hurdle. From my own experience in flight training, after three years, five instructors and $22,000 and wanting to quit multiple, multiple times, and then now, after seeing hundreds and hundreds of student pilots through part-time pilot, I've realized that the number one thing that makes student pilots fail is that they do not have a good fundamental understanding of the ground training when they get to the more advanced flight lessons. Now, who here has seen Top Gun Maverick? Do you remember in the movie when he says, don't think, just do? Now, when I heard this, I was like, oh my goodness, this is brilliant because this is exactly what you have to be as a pilot. Now, of course, it's not that we're not thinking, but it's that we understand things like weather, aerodynamics, what our instruments are telling us, what ATC is telling us. We have such a good core fundamental understanding of these things that we don't have to think about them. And when we don't have to think about them, we can instinctively feel and fly the aircraft, look out for dangers and avoid emergency situations. If we do have to think about these things, it's going to put us behind mentally and we're going to be behind the aircraft. And when you're behind the aircraft mentally, bad things happen. And this happens when you don't have a good understanding of the ground school content. So now the first 10 to 15 hours of your flight training can go smooth, even if you don't have a good understanding of ground training, right? You can go up for a discovery flight, have a blast. You can go up, learn how to take off, learn how to land. You may be even able to solo for the first time, fly a plane for the first time everything's great and dandy but once you get into you know bad weather flying or flying at heavy heavily trafficked airports or speaking with ATC for Bravo clearance or cross-country flight planning and flying solo on a cross-country flight things get a little more advanced and when this happens and you don't have a good understanding of the ground school concepts you're gonna hit a wall you're gonna start to get behind the aircraft and when this happens if you have a good flight instructor, they're going to stop you and they're going to say, okay, we need to do one-on-one -on -one ground lessons. And now you're going to be paying your flight instructor to not even fly with you, but instead $50, $60, $70 an hour to just teach you the ground school content that you should already know. And, and the worst part is, is you're not flying with them. So the flight training that you gain, the currency, the proficiency that you gained is going to be lost and you're going to have to redo those lessons. What happens to most student pilots is they continuously hit these mental blocks where they get behind the aircraft they start making mistakes and then they catch up with the ground knowledge only to have that happen again and they start to get in this vicious cycle of having to redo trainings and repay for trainings until it gets to the point where them or their family they finally say you know what this has to stop we can no longer afford the training costs uh, without any progress you know and they end up quitting now so how do we avoid that well, here comes part-time pilot. Again, I said I went through my own experience of this and I realized that most flight training and ground training is not tailored to the modern day student pilot. And when I say modern day student pilot, I should say modern day 
part-time student pilot because let's face it, there's a very small percentage of us that can go and dedicate 24-7, 365 to our flight training or not even miss a beat and be able to pay for flight training without working. So most of us have a full-time job or maybe a part-time job. We have kids, we have family, we have school. We have all these other responsibilities on top of flight training. And most of these flight trainings and ground trainings are not tailored towards you. And so how is it the part-time pilot tailors to the modern day student pilot? Well, the first way we do that is by keeping ground school interesting. You wanna avoid being boring, you wanna avoid that burnout. So how we do that is we present our material in multiple, multiple ways. And you're actually listening to one of them right now. You can consume our content via this podcast and an audio recording. You can do this while you're running, while you're driving in traffic. Again, tailoring to that busy part-time student pilot. Or you can read through our written lessons. You know, I like to read. So for those of you that like to read, you can read through the lessons. You can see the step-by-step examples and the procedures that we have. Or you can look through our study guide and see our diagrams and mnemonic devices, have that visual cue, those visual cues and aids that help further your understanding. Or you can watch our videos. Or you can take our quizzes and practice tests to reinforce what you just learned. And then finally, you can join us live weekly for our live Q&A and our live lessons so you can see in real time these things taught out and these examples done in real time. And then finally, you can utilize our group community to form study groups, get questions answered 24-7. All of this is tailored for the modern day student pilot to keep ground school interesting, keep it from being boring, keep from having that burnout, and to find ways that you can consume the content throughout your busy schedule. And guess what? It works. We've had over 350 student pilots come through, take and pass their FAA exams without a single student failing. That's right. A single student has yet to tell me that they failed either their FAA written or their FAA checkride. So that is just proof in the pudding right there that our concepts, the way we explain things in plain written English, and the way we give you multiple ways to consume this content is working. So if this sounds like something you might be interested and you want to come join us, we'd love to have you. Just go to www.parttimepilot.com, click on Online Ground School, and we'll see you inside the Online Ground School. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next week.